to the Monday, February 4th edition of Snoozecast, where the state news takes an in-depth look into the biggest stories while bringing new perspectives from the reporters who wrote them. I'm copy editor McKenna Ross. And I'm administration reporter Riley Murdoch. Last week's polar vortex didn't stop major stories from developing. Michigan State saw a draft of the U.S. Department of Education's Cleary Act report that noted serious noncompliance, and a new proposal for developments in East Lansing might bring a movie theater downtown. We'll break down those stories today. For Michigan State's independent student newspaper, this is Snoozecast. Despite a sub-zero wind chill factor, up to 12 inches of snow on the forecast, universities closing across Michigan, and Lansing's mayor declaring a state of emergency, Michigan State didn't suspend classes last Monday. However, for the seventh and eighth time in the university's history, classes were canceled on Wednesday and Thursday due to extremely low temperatures. Today we're talking with academics reporter Claire Moore, who spoke to students that were frustrated with MSU's decision not to cancel classes initially, and instead sent out two emails containing tips on how to safely get to class in the extreme weather. Hi, Claire. Hi, McKenna. So what did that email say exactly? Um, so last week before the polar vortex kind of actually moved into Michigan, the university sent out those two emails saying, here's how students should prepare for the upcoming weather. That included tips on how to dress in layers um, to prevent frostbite and for students to cover their mouths as to like not breathe in the cold air. So what were students saying about that email? Well, a lot of the students I talked to on Monday uh, for my article were concerned because they'd seen the temperature and wind chill forecast for later in the week. Um, for one, the snowstorm had already made travel to classes difficult for them, and students were concerned about the potential of walking to classes in a negative 30-degree wind chill factor. And snow days are pretty uncommon at MSU, and due to the fact that Wednesday and Thursday marked the 7th and 8th ones in history, um, could you tell us a little bit about the previous times the university decided to cancel class? Yeah, so the last time they decided to cancel classes was uh, January 6th and 7th, 2014. That situation was kind of similar to this year's uh, with the snowstorm coupled with the bitter cold. Um, like you said, MSU's only canceled seven times in history. One of our stories this week broke down all of those. And adding to all of these winter weather concerns, there was also a concern of a natural gas shortage in the state. The state government sent out an emergency alert Wednesday night asking everyone in Michigan to lower their heat to at least 65 degrees or less through Friday. And can you tell me a little bit why they did that? Yeah, so there was an incident at a consumer's energy facility here in Michigan, which prompted uh, Governor Whitmer to issue that statewide emergency alert for consumers to kind of like cut down on their, you know, like gas usage. So um, that affected MSU in that the university went into an energy saving mode. Um, heat to buildings um, with mostly classrooms was lowered because classes weren't in session Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, dining halls on campus, for instance, um, in an effort to reduce cooking times, offered only uh, like continental breakfast menus and prepackaged foods um, in order to prevent like more energy from being used. So the university was affected a little bit. Yeah, great. But then we were uh, able to turn our thermostats back up by midnight on Friday, so mm -hmm. crisis averted. <laughs> Thanks for coming in today, Claire. Thanks for having me. Yeah. 
City officials are reviewing plans for a two-building park place project, another in a long string of proposed redevelopments that aim to dramatically reshape the neighborhood around Abbott Road and Albert Avenue. In his first month at the State News, City General Assignment reporter Evan Jones has been keeping up with several development projects in the city of East Lansing. Thanks for joining us today, Evan. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> happy to have you. So what is this project exactly? Uh, this project has a lot of moving parts. Park Placed West is a 12-story tower with a movie theater, a restaurant, and a public plaza. Park Place East is even taller at 15 stories, and the top of that building will have condo units and residential area. Uh, both buildings have an associated parking structure, one of which includes an automated valet, where you put your car in a machine that parks it for you. What's the most exciting aspect of this building development? Uh, it differs from a lot of past proposals in this area because of how ambitious it is. I mean, a movie theater alone would be huge. The closest movie theater for MSU students is 15 minutes away driving distance, so most don't really have the incentive to ever go. Uh, but with one just across the street from campus, that could generate a lot of walking traffic from students. Uh, it's also, this project is a political issue as well. Uh, the developers have to jump through a few hurdles. Uh, Vlahakis and Royal Apartments have already purchased some land from the city, but there are three specific things that they have to really go through. One of which is that the buildings are just too tall right now. The proposal for Park Place East is 159 feet, which is above the 140-foot limit that they could get to anyways. But in order to even get to that uh, special limit, they have to do the second problem, which is a they have to get a special use permit approved by uh, the Planning Commission, and the City Council has to believe that the project is of significant public benefit. Uh, the third problem is that 25% of the housing that they offer has to be different from student housing. So this could be affordable housing, age-friendly housing, or something else. About how long would this project take to be built if it's approved? Uh, if approved, the owner says that it would take about 20 months or so, so right around uh, under two years to build and finish developing. But it's really unclear what the time it will take for the city council to approve the things that they need to get approved. Where does this project sort of fit in the context of the development scene in East Lansing currently? There is a lot like a lot of commercial interest in the city of East Lansing. I mean, any student that looks down Grand River, they can see two new high rises. And after those, you know, developers aren't done looking into the city. Uh, many years have been spent looking at this area in particular. And uh, this project is a bit more ambitious than just a hotel. Uh, it's trying to completely rework Dublin Square. Uh, and, you know, if this is approved, Evergreen Avenue becomes a pedestrian walkway. So there's a lot more to this than just, you know, a, a standard residential project. There's a lot more to it. And within the context of East Lansing more broadly, uh, Paul Vlahakis, the project's owner, said that this development is about 30 years too late. And he compares East Lansing to other college towns and says that, you know, they, they, the other college towns have a lot of really tall buildings and a lot of development that East Lansing just doesn't have. And the interest in East Lansing right now varies between, you know, you have small entrepreneurs like Campbell's Farmer's Market looking to be open by the spring to large firms like Flahakis and Royal Apartments who have built student housing in multiple states. Uh, so I, I think that this project aims to really create the picture of a city that is developed within the city of East Lansing. Thank you for coming in today, Evan. Oh, of course.
46-page preliminary report by the United States Department of Education claims MSU failed to comply with federal law for years, having systemically underreported crimes and showing a lack of institutional control in handling allegations against Larry Nassar. Today we'll be speaking with Cops and Courts reporter Anna Nichols, who wrote about the report for the state news. Anna, what are the main points outlined in this report? The report is broken up into four main points. First of all being the failure to identify campus security authorities, which are responsible for reporting crimes that then contribute to the annual crime report. Uh, point number two being failure to compile and disclose crime stats, um, accurate ones in the annual report. The third is failure to warn the campus community of criminal threat in a timely fashion. And the fourth point is lack of administrative capability to develop adequate Clery compliance protocol. So MSU systemically did not have the resources available or the communication channels open to be able to report crimes at the, the rate that they were required to by federal law. In the report, it states that the coordinator currently acts as a kind of resource. You reach out to them when you need help. But if you aren't informed of what your responsibility is, how are you supposed to know what you need? This report is preliminary. Should we take the information in it at face value? I don't think so. I think we have um, 46 pages from the Department of Education and a comment from uh, our acting president saying that uh, the university is eager to comply with the suggestions and review and strengthen its own Cleary compliance. I'm eager to see how the university reacts to this and how they move forward because the report literally puts in words that there is irreparable harm that has been done and nothing can happen that we can go back and report. But I'm eager to see where we go from here, how we make sure that this does not happen again. I'm sure as soon as more information is available, you'll be reporting it to us. Definitely. There's a lot of um, questions that I personally had with the report, and I've noticed via Twitter a lot of local media has also had similar questions to me. All right. Thank you, Anna. A look ahead to next week's news. Former MSU President Luanna K. Simon begins a preliminary hearing for her case Tuesday. The hearing, originally scheduled for last week, was pushed back to allow for more time for discovery. As a part of the Attorney General's ongoing investigation into MSU's mishandling of Larry Nasser, Simon was interviewed by police who asked if she was aware of any investigation into Nasser's misconduct prior to 2016. She said no, but evidence has surfaced that prompted four charges of lying to investigators. Officials expect attorneys from both sides to give opening statements and to call one witness to the stand. The hearing will continue in early April. For live updates on the court proceedings, follow us on Twitter at The S News. Thank you for listening to Snoozecast, where the state news takes an in-depth look into the week's top stories and provides new perspectives from the reporters who wrote them. You can find us on Twitter at TSNCasts and at The S News, on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com forward slash state news, and always online at statenews.com. I'm copy editor McKenna Ross. And I'm administration reporter Riley Murdoch. Listen next week for more insights behind our stories. Thank you to Silent Partners and Quincus Mariah for the use of their songs Awakening and Chubbs. You can find their songs listed in the description.